Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about a really innovative approach to growing jobs in Detroit neighborhoods. Uh, The idea of growing employee-owned jobs, employee ownership, employee stakes in companies in Detroit neighborhoods, as opposed to trying to incentivize other people to come in and employ folks. Really interesting program that's going on. We'll have the people who are running that program here with us in the studio. Uh, But up first, of course, it is Friday, and we call that Opposite Friday here on Detroit Today. We try to invite somebody in who sees the world through a little different lens, somebody who maybe sits across the political spectrum from me, somebody who will bring a different set of ideas to the table. And this week in that role is John Truscott. He's the principal at Truscott Rossman, a political communications consulting firm. He is a former GOP spokesperson, uh, was famously the spokesperson for former governor, John Angler. John, welcome to Detroit Today. It's great to be with you, Stephen. It's good to hear your voice. I haven't talked to you in a little while. Uh, We want to talk today about taxes. We want to talk about the end of net neutrality. Uh, We're also going to talk about the Alabama Senate race and what that means for Republicans going into next year, the midterm elections, what it means for Democrats going into the midterm elections. And if you want to join the conversation, talk about any of those topics, give us a call, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. John, let's start with the tax package, mm-hmm. uh, which which uh, seems yesterday at some point to be a lot closer to reconciliation between the two chambers. The Senate version and the House version, of course, have a lot of different features in them. Nothing nothing terribly substantial, I don't think, but, but there are differences and they have to be ironed out in order to send the bill to the president's desk. But then late in the day, Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida said, mm, I'm out. Uh, this this bill that uh, we've reconciled doesn't do what I would like to do for the child dependent tax credit. Um, I, I keep looking at this situation, uh, the difference between the two bills, the rancor over the whole idea of taxes. And I keep thinking this is this is going to be really hard for Republicans to pull together, I I just I just feel I have this feeling that uh, it's a, a little bit like a Rubik's cube that uh, you, you're never going to get the six sides together because maybe there's some missing tiles or something. Uh, that, that 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 getting all everybody on the same page about this is maybe an impossible task. What do you? What's well, your I, I agree. And in today's political environment, where you get so close, and then one person can get. A lot of media attention by being the contrarian, <laughs> right? Uh, and you know, Marco and then, Rubio trying to get media attention. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? Well, you know, after the presidential campaign, it's been a little quiet for him, so he's he's back. <laughs> um, but you know, I I definitely agree with you that this is any plan that's this big is very difficult to put together. And I'll, I'll go back to you know the Affordable Care Act and everything that that went through. And there are some similarities here between the way it has has come together in terms of really an overall lack of information being available to the public and that's been one of my biggest criticisms and I'm I'm a supporter of tax reform I I do think it will help bring some of the money sitting overseas back repatriated here mm-hmm. it'll be good for the economy but it's almost been impossible for the ordinary taxpayer to figure out what this means for them 
Um, I mean, as I go through it, I, I don't have kids, so I'm looking at it, you know, this is going to not be very beneficial to me because I can't really, there's no worksheet, there's nothing to follow that's easy <laughs> where I can plug in my numbers. Right. And when I've been involved in these kind of debates in the past on behalf of Governor Engler, we laid it out for people and let them know specifically, you know, this is what you're looking at. It may not be exact numbers, but here's what you can plug in to figure out about where you'll be at. Yeah. And and I think that on the Republican side, they've missed the boat on that. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, this, this package we know would lower corporate tax rates uh, pretty significantly, actually, at least at the top. Um, and it would, uh, you know, compress the number of, of tax brackets. It would give some tax breaks up and down those those brackets. Some of them are uh, set to expire at some point. I guess some of them uh, are not. The, the bill still, though, is is really unpopular. And, and that, for me, has, has raised that question about why Republicans are so insistent on getting this done. I mean, there's, of course, the idea of getting a significant piece of legislation through in the first year of the of this presidency. I get that. But but why this? What is it about this reordering that has yeah. Republicans so so worked up? Well, I think in general, change and uncertainty is unpopular. So it's easy to because people just don't know where it's going. And sometimes you have to let this play out in order for the, the, the reality to catch up with the perception. Um, I do think because Republicans haven't been able to deliver on anything else, this is the closest opportunity to get a win. That's why they're so intent on, on pushing this through. Yeah. The way I look at it is, I'd, you know, if it's worth doing, I'd rather do it right than do it fast, no matter what it is, and, and get it right because this is, it has a long-term effect. And People forget all the sausage that, you know, how it was made and what went into it sure. if you have a good plan and the results are what you say they are. Yeah. So I'd rather focus on that and get, get a better plan. So, and I, I've heard just this morning actually that they're back to the Senate plan, which doesn't reduce the number of tax brackets. Okay. Which, okay. which I think is, is a mistake. Uh, if you're going to do it, go all the way and, and actually compress those a little bit. Um, it would bring down corporate tax rates, which are, if not the highest in the country of the industrialized nations, you know, among the highest. So, you know, that bringing it in the, the average of what we're facing with uh, with competitor countries is a positive thing. But I just don't think in the end people really understand how this will affect them. It may be very positive for most people, but they haven't taken the time to explain that. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is John Truscott. He's here because it is opposite Friday, he's a principal with Truscott Rossman, a political communications consulting firm, former GOP spokesperson, former spokesperson for former Governor John Engler. We are talking about the week's news. We try to invite someone in each week who sees the world a little differently, maybe sits across the political spectrum. We're talking now about the tax bill that is being debated between the House and Senate at this point to try to reconcile the differences between the packages that each chamber passed so that they might send it on to the president's desk. What do you think of those taxes? What do you think of the idea of reordering taxes quite that much? Uh, what do you think of the rancor within the Republican Party about trying to hold all those votes together in the Senate to get this package through? Uh, is it something that should happen? Is it something that uh, you think will benefit you those are the people I really want to hear from today. Uh, if you think this is a uh, if if you think this is a great idea, this tax package, uh, tell me why. Tell me what is it about your taxes that you think 
will be improved by this. Uh, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And uh, we will try to work you into the conversation. Again, if you are anticipating this tax package uh, and thinking that it'll be a great thing, we want to hear from you. But if you also maybe don't think it's such a great idea or are wondering why we have to talk about taxes right now, given that uh, the economy seems to be plucking along just fine, there isn't any sort of economic indicator that says, hey, we need a tax cut right now to make things move better. Uh, give us a call. Again, 313-577-1019. John, I want to ask you about the deficit issue in this tax bill. Uh, and, and I want to call out, uh, call you out a little bit on this. Uh, Republicans have spent a long time in this country really walloping Democrats in particular about deficit spending. Uh, they did it with uh, Bill Clinton and, and forced uh, uh, budget bills that that really reduced that deficit down to almost nothing by the time he left office, even though the debt was quite high. We, we, we were not overspending uh, in the in the in the general sort of budget anymore. Uh, and they absolutely clobbered Barack Obama, even though uh, he inherited an economy that needed stimulus, that needed uh, the idea of spending to get it going again. Uh, they spent eight years talking about how irresponsible that was. Now, now that they've got control the very first year in Washington, they're saying, well, let's blow another $1.5 trillion hole in the deficit. And nobody has been able to come up with a figure that says, well, that won't happen or is unlikely to happen. And now just seem to be saying, this doesn't matter. You know, why isn't that hip hypocritical? Well, I, and I, I don't think the Republicans have, have approached this uh, properly, but there are some, some things that will play out that may reset a little bit. Um, you know, deficit spending over the last 30 years has been outrageous. The last eight years, it, it ballooned even more. Um, so nobody has done a good job of dealing with this. And government's insatiable appetite for spending, they never roll anything back. They just keep spending. Sure. Um, so I do think, and, and whether it's good or bad, you've seen the president say in the last couple of weeks, and Paul Ryan, they are going to address some of the structural problems with uh, Medicare, Social Security, some of the other uh uh, budget items that that cost so much and we all know are not sustainable but they're the most difficult issues to resolve because they affect so many people personally mm -hmm. so that would be part of reining in uh deficit spending the other side of that is there is almost no way to cut your way out of the problem uh -huh. that's been created over the years you really do need economic growth in order to really create the revenue uh, that's going to help you start to catch up. So those are two factors that are almost intangible uh, at this point because we don't have solutions in place, uh -huh. and it's really difficult for people to understand how this could happen. They may be right. They may be wrong. I, I don't know, but the, the approaches that we've used in the past haven't worked, so we've got to try something else. So yeah. I would say on that one, stay tuned. It will be a bloody and ugly fight to get there. But in the end, something has to be done, and we'll see if they have the guts to make the decisions that need to be made. Yeah, I mean, this idea that you can roll back spending, number one, I mean, it never happens, as you point out. Republicans don't do it. Democrats don't do it, although Democrats would argue that the spending uh, I mean, it's it's not part of their political philosophy, right? That the, the that the government spending they embrace is about 
increasing opportunity or providing uh, uh, an additional safety net or strengthening that that safety net. But but regardless, it, it, it never happens. But it does also always seem like when we talk about cutting, we talk about cutting at the bottom. We talk about cutting for people who really rely on or or need government services. We don't talk about defense cuts, for instance. Uh, th- those never seem to get through. That budget grows uh, all the time. Um, w- there's an unfairness there, right? I mean, uh, there's an imbalance in the way that we even approach the conversation about cuts. Well, there are some things that are that are pretty easy for people to understand. For example, uh, a year or two ago, there were a number of stories about all of these college students, and I'd see them at Michigan State, that had uh, access to food stamps or bridge cards. So we were paying whether it was state or federal dollars, and sometimes it's a match. We were covering that, and for the most part, these were not poor college students. Mm-hmm. So you know that is one example where something could be reduced or changed um, keeping the program in place but but restricting who who has who can qualify for it. So there are those examples there but I don't think politicians or government are very good at communicating what they're really looking to do and you do get these entitlements built up and it's very difficult to change. So is there a new program, a new way to address it or a a combination approach where you're dealing with health care and food and and thinks the the basic uh, sustenance type programs that you provide is there a better way to provide them um, I look at the way in in state government for example our mental health services are extremely expensive and not efficiently provided mm-hmm. we have so many layers that things the the money gets eaten up in the bureaucracy and doesn't get to the people who need it and the federal government is fraught with programs like that so who has the ability to really dig in and remake these programs i'm a big favor of of block granting to the states because the states should be held accountable and they're closer to people so are there ways to do that where you could keep the level of service and support in place but cut out a lot of the bureaucracy that takes so much of the money in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We're talking about the tax bill now. We're going to talk about net neutrality in a little. We'll also talk about that Alabama Senate race. What does that mean for the midterms next year? A lot of folks already on the lines want to participate in this conversation, but if you want to join, 313-577-1019. Keith in St. Clair Shores, you're up first on Detroit Today. Hello. Hey. Um, my question is, where's the list of corporations that have committed to giving their employees a permanent wage increase once the corporate tax rate is cut? You know, the <laughs> Republicans have sold this as a benefit to middle class America right. that, you know, when the corporations receive a tax cut, that wages will go up. Right. There'll be more and jobs and nothing more committing money. to that. Yeah, no, <laughs> Keith. I I appreciate uh, the cleverness of your com of your <laughs> your question there, um, or the irony of it. Um, John Truscott, I'll give you first first crack at that. Republicans do sell this all the time. The idea of tax cuts as growing paychecks, right? Mm-hmm. That that companies will get a break and they'll they'll pay their employees a little better. And of course, over the last 30 or 40 years, we've seen that not really pan out. Why why should we believe it this time? Well, some will and some won't. That's just the the reality. It's not like this monolith where everybody's going to get a, get a pay hike. Um I do believe over time though because our economy is so competitive right now and people are moving jobs. You you talk to people 
I've talked to the CEOs of the furniture companies in West Michigan, for example. They're, they can't find new employees. They're cannibalizing from their competitors and bringing them over and paying them more. So that's really how people are getting an increase in their paycheck is they're, they're getting jobs because of the competitive environment that naturally pay more. So it'll be driven by, by the economy for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Keith, I appreciate the, the call and the question. Let's go to Paul in Oakland Township. Paul, welcome to Detroit today. All right. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Sure. I, I, I want to talk about this concept of the deficit and the fact that we are the wealthiest nation in the world. We have over $90 trillion in household net worth. And yet we look at the, the, this deficit continuing to rise, but all that wealth is in a very small portion of households. Mm-hmm. Um, and so aren't taxes one way of redistributing wealth or Equitably, we mentioned about this inability, the guest just spoke about, can't find trained people. Yet we're cutting spending for education. We're cutting spending that allow, would allow that lower class or people with less to achieve and be a more productive part of the economy. And at the same time, we have the money to pay the bills. We do. We just choose to borrow it. And because interest rates are lower, whatever reason, and then continue to distribute that wealth to a very small portion of the population. Right, right. No, uh, Keith, great, great uh, call, great comments. I, I think I find myself, uh, you know, agreeing with you quite a bit about about that bigger picture issue. We choose to spend money on on the things that that uh, that don't lift uh, people who who don't have as have as much. Um, John Truscott, I'll give you a, a chance to respond to, to Yeah, to I'm unaware of any cuts in education. Um, that budget for the last oh, 20 years, my, uh, you know, aside from a few years, um, about nine years ago, um, under the previous administration, though that steady uh, increase in education spending has been there, and it's pretty well documented. Um, and, you know, well, it, but it's and it's what that what that increase goes to. I mean, it, it doesn't go into teacher salaries in most in most cases, for instance. I mean, and the and the federal government doesn't pay for teacher salaries either. We should be clear about that. that the federal government doesn't pay hardly anything for right, education. It's right. about five percent, so it's yeah. negligible. So it's it's pretty much state spending. It's but, state spending that's been a problem, and here in Michigan. Uh, I mean, for instance, we cut education drastically when Governor Snyder was elected, and we have just now gotten back to that to the same level we we were before he was in office. And that level is now equivalent to what people were spending, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So, I mean, we don't make priority out of school, I think. Well, I, I would disagree on that. Um, I do agree with you that, that the money doesn't always get to the classroom because there are a lot of other costs in education sure. and teacher retirement and pensions and things like that are a, a big portion of the budget that really can't be ignored unless you're going to say, okay, we're not going to pay for that anymore. And I don't think anybody would, would take that position. So it's a very complicated issue. Um, government spending has not been reduced. Um, and it's just you know, the legislature and the Congress prioritize every year, and you can agree or disagree with where it's going. I think overall, in general, they've done a fairly decent job, but, but you, can, you can definitely have disagreements. That's, yeah. 
That's what our political system is about. That's uh, that's the American way. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick, quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with John Truscott on Opposite Friday talking about things that we disagree about. We're talking taxes just now. We're going to talk about net neutrality and Alabama next. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always... Thanks for tuning in. We are talking on Opposite Friday with John Truscott, a principal at Truscott Rossman, political communications consulting firm, former GOP spokesperson, former spokesperson for former governor John Angler. We're talking about uh, tax bills, the tax bills that are in Washington, in the House and Senate, the reconciliation between the two. We're going to talk about net neutrality and at the Alabama Senate race. If you want to join the conversation, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phone. So it's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter, and we will try to work you into the conversation if you hashtag us. Uh, let's go to Jim. Jim in Pontiac. Welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Hey, um, yeah, I, uh, I just wanted to point out that when a, a Bush in the early 2000s did a tax break to bring repatriate money, Hewlett Packard brought in a quarter billion dollars in profits and then fired 14,000 people. The obvious thing that corporations going to say when they see their rates slash dramatically is, "Ooh, let's bring in more profits." And the best way to do that is cut, cut costs, which mm-hmm. are humans. Mm-hmm. And their natural inclination is to cut pay, not to add pay. I mean, why would you do that? You'd be cutting into your own profits, which are taxed less now. So naturally, they're going to go for cutting costs. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. Uh, and and when you add into the mix, the automation that's taking place that eliminates jobs and then saves money. I think there's even less reason to believe that that wages will rise. John, John, how do you answer that? Well, you can only take those profits once uh, when the money comes back in that first time. So our alternative is to either say, okay, you're making this money in Europe. We can leave it there and you can continue to invest there and not take it. Or we can bring it here. Yes, there will be some profit taking, but in in the competitive environment that we're in today, I mean, look at the, all the expend, uh, expenditures going on right now for autonomous vehicles. There is a ton of money being spent. Apple is one of the com- companies with billions of dollars sitting overseas. They would spend some of that money on research and hiring people and, and working on uh, some partnerships with the auto companies. It's just it's what you have to do in business. So I am sure there would be some profit-taking. Um, that money has been made, and those profits weren't taken. When the when the money was first uh, come in as as sales and revenue, right. so it's appropriate to take it. But I think we are in such a competitive economy; some of that money would have to go back into investment and jobs. Yeah, uh, John. Let's talk uh, about net neutrality. The rollback uh, cleared the FCC. Should Congress go in and restore these rules? I mean, a lot of people who say this is going to lead to a further sort of digital divide where. 
you've got haves and have nots uh, on 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 information and access, which is not so much like uh, like uh, tel- television, cable television, or a fancy phone. It's it's the way that you have to sort of communicate uh, with with people. I mean, it's it's become a much more staple part of people's lives. Um, are, are these new rules uh, gonna gonna make that more difficult for folks? You know, I, I really don't think so. I know there's a lot of rhetoric on, on both sides of this, but it really comes down to do you want the government controlling the Internet and the growth of what happens, or do you want to unleash the innovation of the private sector? When we look at it, and it's almost hard to believe, the iPhone was introduced only eight years ago, mm-hmm. and, and the smartphone concept has become, I mean, it's like an appendage. You can't go anywhere without having your phone or you feel naked without it. Right. And that happened because the private sector was allowed to unleash and create and grow. Um, these rules were only in place for the last two years, so it's not like there was uh, a major change one way or the other while they were in place. You know, I, I think in terms of the comparison to cable companies and things like this, this is something for the SEC and FCC to regulate going forward to make sure we don't have the big monopolies setting rules and that we allow the innovation of the small companies to come up and challenge uh, the big companies. If we allow them to compete, and I'm seeing it in communities across the country right now with smaller cable providers or Internet providers that are coming in at, like, apartment complex levels and taking the entire complex and then growing it from there. So there is still the ability, even with cable and things like that, innovation because those technologies are changing so fast and the way we deliver information or TV type programs. So I think we'll get around it and I'd rather not have the government controlling what we can and cannot do. Yeah. Uh, the idea that the government is controlling what we can or cannot do though is is always sort of, uh, I, I, I feel like that's sort of a oversimplification of these kinds of regulations. I mean, there there are issues. I mean, you think about a city like Detroit. Forty percent of the people here, reportedly, don't have internet access. What about changing rules? Will 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 take care of that? And and won't it make it harder if companies can just charge what they want for different kinds of speeds and all kinds of uh, uh, things like that? What is it about innovation do you feel like has been held back in that sector? Well, I, I don't think things were held back, and the, the last two years, I mean, what, what benefit did we get? If those 40% of the people still don't have access, the rules the last two years didn't help or change anything. So I, you know, I have seen companies who want to come into Detroit, who want to run uh, broadband and fiber and things like that. There is a rush. We have other things like right-of-way and, and how do you get access in a built-up urban environment, to, to run the cable. There are a lot of technologies coming online that are more uh, based on antennas uh, and a lot of people putting up repeaters on, on, on towers and things all over the city. It's coming and it will come very, very fast. At the same time, it should be competitive and people should have a choice of high-cost or low-cost providers. That's what the, the, our system is built on and peop- the companies who win will be the ones that provide the best service to the people. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 on the phones, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Dan in Detroit. Dan, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, gentlemen. How hey, are you? Good. How are you? Very well. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, the tax plan and how 
it incentivizes businesses to invest in automation technology rather than in human capital. And uh, does this bill actually subsidize uh, the purchases or the purchase of uh, automation technology to those businesses? Hmm. That's an interesting. That's an interesting uh, idea, John. I'm not sure. I know yeah, the I haven't seen anything on that, and part of it is. You know, this has been moving so fast, so uh, I don't know. I certainly don't know all the details. But it, as far as what I've been able to tell, they're wiping out almost all credits and deductions and things like that. So I don't know where a a credit or some sort of benefit for that capital investment would come. So I I think they're wiping most of those out. Of those so out, it'll be up yeah. to the company to decide: Do you want to invest in automation or uh, more employees? Yeah. Yeah. Dan, great question. Sorry, couldn't give you a better answer there. Uh, let's go to Ben in Port Huron. Ben, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Um, I'd like to ask the panelists a quick little question. Um, one of my issues I have with uh, the tax cut is currently the United States is just lacking a little bit of infrastructure growth. Um, in 2014, we were looking at uh, staring at $4.1 trillion in waste that was just generated from either trucks not being able to move or just drivers not being able to get to work due to rush hour traffic. Um, one of the issues I have is just how are we looking forward to solve that if we're cutting funding to the federal government where most of the funding for the roads and infrastructure come? I'll take the answer off the air. Yeah, great question, Dan. Thanks very much. Uh, John, I'll let you go ahead and uh, address that. Infrastructure, big thing. President said during the campaign and early on in his presidency, hey, this is a priority. We got to get after it. it. Sort of slipped into the background there. Well, a- absolutely, and 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 Dan touches on a really major issue that that states and the country have to deal with. And it's not infrastructure just above the ground, roads and bridges and things like that. It's our infrastructure underground, yeah. our sewer systems, water lines, things like that. There is, you know, things have aged. You know, we haven't replaced a lot of these things in in forty, fifty years, and they or more, and they just wear out. Um, I think that's going to be an issue that's taken as a separate package. I will say, you know, it's difficult for a president to do everything in the first year, so sometimes it takes a few years to get things through. Sometimes you make mistakes, and the the package doesn't go through the first time, so it takes two or three times. So I would say stay tuned on that, but this is a major issue that I think is facing every state in the country and is facing the nation as a whole, and I don't know how they're going to deal with it. There's there's bonding capacity and a lot of different ways to do it, um, and each state has to come up with what's best for them, but it's it's something that I think will be a very robust discussion in the coming year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Rich in Detroit. Rich wants to talk about net neutrality. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, I, I guess I really just wanted to make a comment on net neutrality. I think, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily about, and this is speaking to the previous caller on it, I suppose, but uh, it's not necessarily about uh, access to the uh, to the Internet. It's more about... Uh, innovation in, t- in tech startups, right? So, like, uh, for example, if a, if a startup wanted to, uh, you know, be the next Facebook, let's say that they actually start attaining the same volume that Facebook has, right? Uh, without net neutrality in place, it, we could see something like what happened in Netflix where, you know, the, the Internet providers say, oh, well, you know, you're using more of the bandwidth, so we're going to create, you know, some sort of structure where you have to pay for this service to deliver your content rather than it being the other way around, where, 
you know, the consumer is actually paying for, you know, the service to get the content. And uh, and that actually ends up stunning innovation. So um, that that's the big concern, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great, great comment there, uh, Rich. John, how do you answer that? You know, again, I'm certainly not the expert in net neutrality, but I look, you know, at the deal that uh, Disney is entering into, um, you know, another big conglomerate, but they're going to provide some really heavy competition to Netflix. Who knows if Disney then may buy their own infrastructure or merge with somebody to do it to keep costs down so that they have the the economic advantage over Netflix or over some of the cable providers. I just think the way technology moves and develops, it is so rapid and it is it becomes so available to people and we have become pretty savvy shoppers trying to find the best deal mm-hmm. that I think that that will keep spurring new startups to, to keep providing good quality service at a lower cost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks very much for that call. Rich, let's go to Jim in Canton. Jim, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you very much. I want to ask a question that is going to sound satirical, but please don't take it that way. <laughs> the president says that uh, it's huge. The uh, economy is huge, and it's the best it's ever been, and I'm the best. Why do the corporations still need a tax break if everything's going either according to plan or better? Uh, Jim, that's a great question. That's one that I've been asking, too. I mean, we, we have had... Uh, I think in post-war terms, at least, a record stretch of economic growth without a recession. Corporate profits uh, are are each year sort of hitting record levels. The Dow continues to go, to, to go up. Uh, other indexes too. What, what what is the you know this idea that we desperately need? Uh, a tax cut. What what is the what's the rationale for it? I think that's a, a pretty fundamental question about this, and it's sort of where we started the conversation, John, is what is it about what is it about tax cuts that will make things better when even the president brags about how great they are? Well, I think you touched on one point when you said that we haven't had a recession. We are due for a dip yeah. in our economy. Some sort uh, of correction, right? These are these are cyclical. They're almost predictable. Of, you know when they'll happen. So you know it's coming. It's just a matter of when and how deep it will be and how quickly we can climb out. A tax cut that puts more money in the economy can either forestall it or help us recover faster. The other point gets back to our talk about deficit spending and things like that, and that we cannot cut our way out of the deficit problem or debt problem that we have. We need economic growth. So we've, you know, economic growth has increased. We are at a very respectable rate now, approaching, I think, around 3%. But if we got to 4%, how much more rapidly could we pay down the deficit? That would make a big difference. So that ability to kind of amp up or or supercharge the economic growth numbers would mean a lot in terms of, of spending down the deficit that we have, which also would have a positive impact on uh, interest rates and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I'd respond. Okay. All right. John Truscott, principal at Truscott Rossman, political communications consulting firm, former GOP spokesperson, former spokesperson 
for former Governor John Angler. Always good to talk to you. On you too, Stephen. We didn't get to talk about Roy Moore. Uh, we didn't get to Roy Moore. That's right. We're uh, I'm time. glad not to talk about Roy Moore. Trust <laughs> I'll, me. I'll bet you are. <laughs> uh, if we don't talk to you again before the end of the year, have a great uh, holiday and a new year. I will. You too. Thank you, Stephen. All right. Bye. <clears throat> Up next, uh, we are going to talk about how we might create and maintain high-quality jobs here in Michigan, and especially here in Detroit neighborhoods. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.